listening to The Independence, the FIC podcast. In this episode, you'll hear from Julian Hardiman, pastor at Eden Baptist Church in Cambridge, speaking at the 2022 FIC Leaders Conference. His title was To the Only God, Our Saviour, and he's preaching from the doxology at the end of Jude. Well, the conference is almost done, and the Lord has this last word for us. So actually, the talk is not the big work he wants to do. The big work he wants to do is in the singing that we do after the talk, as the talk itself will reveal. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. 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 Well, we could just move to the singing, but I think I won't get my speaker's fee. We've had this time away together. Each of us had lots of conversations, been to sessions. Now our minds are starting to turn to home. To the journey, perhaps. Some of you are wondering whether it was worth staying for the talk and you're thinking that the traffic's going to be worse on the M25 or the A1 or the M4 or the M5 or the M6 or whatever the motorway is that will be taking you home. Your minds are starting to turn to what awaits you at home, literally at home with your family or your housemates, perhaps or the place where you live on your own. What awaits you at home in terms of your church or other ministry responsibilities? I wonder what mix of feelings you're experiencing right now as you just start to think about re-entry. Maybe you've caught the wind of the spirit in the conference and going back highly energized. Let's hope so, that's what we pray for one another. Perhaps there have been elements of the conference that have left left you feeling deeply challenged about what lies ahead, a reminder of the hardness of the task, and you can think of specific people you're not looking forward to seeing. Let's take a moment and engage with those anticipations of your re-entry this afternoon, this evening, perhaps tomorrow morning if it's a long journey. It seems to me that in these verses, the Lord wants us to be led into a place of focus on our feelings about ourselves in really positive and energizing ways. And then to be led into a place of focusing our feelings upon him in even more positive and energizing ways. It seems to me he wants us to be leaving with a sense of calm confidence. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. How often we've heard those words said at the end of a church service, how often perhaps 
We've used them ourselves. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. We do need to be kept. Stumbling is a danger. You wouldn't have written that otherwise. There is jeopardy there for Christian believers and Christian servants. We've been hearing about the toxic pressures from our culture. That makes it hard. I walked up and down the seafront this morning, walking north. It was great. Walking back into the wind was tough. In our culture, we're walking into the wind, as we've heard. And the toxicity of the culture is creeping into the church, as John helped us see so, so acutely on our first evening. There will be pressures from within inside the church on us to compromise, and some of those interactions are going to be difficult. Some of you are probably having them already, especially with a younger generation, who are pressing us as to why we can't just cave in to the winds of fashion, ethically. And then there there is the toxicity within our own hearts. Throughout Jude, those that Jude is writing against are seen as people who give in to their natural evil desires, to the disorder of the human heart and its impulse just to follow its natural instincts and to fulfill its appetites. But that's us too. Someone has said that a human being is a bit like an elephant with a rider on it. And the rider can kind of do a certain amount, but if the elephant wants to go in a certain direction, the elephant's probably going to get there. That's the human heart. The control of the will is weak and shaky. And one of the things you learn as you get older in ministry is just what a capacity each of us has to deceive others and to deceive ourselves. We should fear stumbling. And if we do, we have this wonderful promise to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Something to give us a calm confidence, not in ourselves, but in him. In him. What does the stumbling particularly mean? Let's just interrogate that word a bit. Sometimes on the old versions translated it as falling. And if you uh, do a kind of search in the English versions of stumbling and falling, you get quite an interesting body of text describing slightly different things. On the one hand, especially in the Psalms, it'll be seen as some kind of physical stumbling or falling. Now, it's not a promise that we're kept from that, otherwise my wife wouldn't have fallen off her horse two months ago. I wouldn't have tripped up when I was running a few months ago. It's not a promise to be kept from physical harm. Is it then a promise that we are kept from all moral stumbles? I'm not so sure. James 3.2 says that we all stumble in many ways. And I know I'm taking that slightly out of context, but it doesn't seem to me that's quite what Jude is driving at either. Surely what he's driving at is explained by what he says next and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. 
He is able to keep us and he will keep us so that we make it safely home. What matters for you on your return journey today is not that you get from Blackpool to wherever you live or wherever you're going in the shortest possible and most convenient time. I mean, I hope you do, as I hope I and my fellow uh, travellers do. In the end, what matters is getting safely home. If there is a bit of a delay on the uh, M6 or the A20 or the A38, whatever it is where you're travelling, it's not the end of the world. Even if a sudden snowstorm happened and you had to hole up overnight and you got home tomorrow, that wouldn't be the end of the world. What matters most is getting safely home. Now, we could stretch it a bit and say it wouldn't even matter if you were like Ulysses after the fall of Troy and you spent 10 years going around the Mediterranean as long as you made it safely home. Well, I think uh, those who care for you at home might have something to say about that. But actually, in terms of God's purposes for the whole arc of your life, that would be okay too. One of the reasons why when the Lord out of the blue falls on you in a meeting and sends the Holy Spirit to fall on you in a meeting and says, you're going to Madagascar, to total obscurity for 10 years, you think, well, okay, Lord, as long as I get safely home. He promises to get us safely home. When I preached on this, someone came up, and I don't think they were trying to be a smart aleck, but they said, it only says to keep you. Uh, it's only that he's able to keep you. And one of the commentaries suggests that um, this is something God can do, but um, you know, it's up to us whether it actually happens. And uh, I think that's clearly wrong from the book as a whole, because of um, verse 1, describing the identity of the Christian, someone who has been called. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be light in your heart, and there was light in your heart. Loved in God the Father and kept in Jesus Christ. It's a different verb in the Greek, but it doesn't matter. It's the same kind of idea. Kept. That's what a Christian is. Someone who's been called, who is loved, and who is being kept for Christ. Isn't that just so wonderful? Doesn't that give us this calm confidence? He provides everything necessary for life and salvation. His power is the equal of, in fact, far greater than all the powers that are against us outside the church, inside the church, and in our hearts. At this point, we flick on a little bit to the, uh, uh, the actual kind of doxology, if we can call it that, in verse uh, 25 of the second part. Uh, he's the only God. He is our saviour. He has glory, majesty, power, and authority expressed through Christ Jesus, who is our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. There has never been a time when God has not been omnipotent and omnipotent in your life, and he will continue to do so. Jesus' great promise is that he gets all of his sheep safely home. He wants to send you out with a calm confidence that though your journey may take unexpected turns, he will bring you home. Sometimes those unexpected turns can be in the mystery of providence, allowing you to fall into some sin, which is just to remind you of your own need of Christ. And where he keeps you is then for you to repent of that sin and turn back to Christ and get back on track with him. 
I spoke a few months ago at a conference for Christians with same-sex attraction. I'll not break any confidentialities by saying that some of the people there were confessing ways in which there had been lapses. But the Lord had brought them back on track. There had been stumbles, but he brought them back. That's the way he keeps us from that kind of final stumble, that final fall, which means that we won't make it safely home. No matter what it is that you fear that lies ahead of you tonight, tomorrow, next week, this year, he is able to keep you from falling. And that is what matters, getting you safely home. And if the first place the Lord wants us to leave emotionally is one of calm confidence in his keeping power, the second place, I I do truly believe, is a kind of ecstatic anticipation of what will be. He is able to keep you from, full, from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. In September 1976, Time magazine carried an article referring to Henry Kissinger's last meeting with Chairman Mao Zedong in China. That had happened in December 1975. And Mao had died just after the Time article. Kissinger get quiet about this meeting a few months earlier until after Mao's death. He and his aides had gone into this meeting with Chairman Mao to find Mao obsessed with thoughts of God. Mao said to Kissinger, I'm about to die. I will soon meet with God. I must give an account of my life before God. Kissinger tried to tease him and get him off the subject. Oh, you and God, Chairman Mao, you wouldn't be a very good combination. But nothing my aides and I could do, said Kissinger later, could turn the chairman from this obsession that he had about God. Being brought safely home means being presented in the presence of the most holy and almighty God. And yes, there will be awe, but we'll also feel relaxed because we will be covered with the righteousness of Christ. My father was quite academic and um, there was one term in maths where he got 99%. He got one thing wrong. And you know, 40 years later, he could still remember what it was. He'd written that eight times seven was 54. After he died, a friend of his wrote to my mum, talking about dad at school. And he said how obsessed and sad my father had been about that one thing he got wrong. My dad's friend said how sad it seemed, because he was academically pretty good. We've all got many things that we've got wrong. But we will not have that feeling. Because we will know that Christ and his righteousness have got it all right for us. 
and within the broader structures of what Luther calls the alien, the external righteousness of Christ, in all sorts of ways, there will be the sound of good and faithful servant. Well done for handling that church meeting in such a gracious way when you wanted to lash out. Well done for persevering with that person who then went off and got converted somewhere else. Well done for sticking in a marriage that's been pretty hard work for a long time and sees no prospect of uh, improving. Well done on continuing to pray in this way. Well done for sticking at your church when other people seem to be getting all the growth and you're just where you were five years ago. We are going to hear him saying, well done, good and faithful servant, again and again and again and again. You will hear that. That is what it's going to be to be taken safely home. Where does that leave us? Where will that leave us? In great joy. It's going to be ecstasy. Exhilaration. Our capacity for joy will be enlarged and there will be nothing else. Filled to all the fullness of Christ. There will be glory. And as someone has said, one second of that glory will cancel a lifetime of suffering. And just to hear that, just to hear that, that phrase, great joy, it gives us an anticipation of the exhilaration right now, doesn't it? We look over the immediate horizon and we see where we will be. And that gives us the strength to do what we have to do tomorrow. And so in terms of our movement home, the Lord does want us to focus on ourselves and on our pressures and on our needs and to give us the sense of calm confidence in his keeping power and the sense of ecstatic anticipation of the joy of being presented in his presence. But then there's this fascinating move because this is a doxology. Now there is a move away from self and into wonder, love and praise because it's a doxology. And it ends up not looking at self, but looking at him. To the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. It's a very rich, content-driven kind of self-forgetfulness here. But it is this description of God and his character and his being and his supremacy. And the whole resources of God being turned to us. And so we receive what he gives and then we just look up to him in awe and gratitude. As I walked along the seafront, there was um, what looked like a police van. It turned out to be a, co- uh, a coast guard van. And it had a little slogan on the back, which wouldn't make much sense in Cambridge, but in Blackpool it's pretty significant. And it said, respect the water. And boy, this morning you knew what they meant. The waves were astonishing. There was foam and, and a drizzle going kind of 30, 40 feet in the air in places. I couldn't believe the power of the things. And it was right to respect it. 
but also right to see in the power of the natural world a picture of the power of God. To realize that that power in his love is turned to our preservation and to bringing us home. And do you know what I did? I did what so many people did. I didn't want to be too far away from those waves. I wanted to get as close as I safely could because there's a kind of exhilaration in being near power. You forget yourself for a moment and just see the the power of the thing and that's just an incredible thing. And this is what these verses do to us. They take us closer in our souls to the power of God, the crashing of the waves of God, the... Uh, the, the, the wind, the water, those things representing his great power on our behalf and we're taken in exhilaration and taken out of ourselves. Losing that sense of the focus on the personal ego and just to say, yes, you are great. Yes, you are glorious. May glory be yours. And as we do, just to surrender the totality of ourselves to him once again. That surely is what it means if we say to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority, that we're just handing it all over to him and saying, you be God in my life. I'm not going to focus on those things that bother me right now. I'm just going to focus in wonder, love and praise on you because I can. And because it's okay to let those anxieties go because you're watching my back. And it's okay not to think for a moment about the things that I I don't know, the uncertainties in my life, the uncertainties of the future. Because you promised to cope with those. And whether I go home by a slightly round route or whether it's the direct route, that's okay. You've got your hand on that. I'm just going to sit or stand in adoration and let God be God. And so we say to him, Lord, through the desert, drear and wide, our erring footsteps need a guide. Keep us, O oh, keep us near thy side. Let us not fall. Let us not fall. We have no fear that thou shouldst lose one whom eternal love could choose. But we would ne'er this grace abuse. Let us not fall. Let us not fall. Lord, we are blind and halt and lame. We have no stronghold but thy name. Great is our fear to bring it shame. Let us not fall. Let us not fall. Lord, evermore thy face we seek. Tempted we are and poor and weak. Keep us with lowly hearts and meek. Let us not fall. Let us not fall. All thy good work in us complete. And seat us daily at thy feet, thy love, thy words, thy name, how sweet. Let us not fall. Let us not fall. A calm confidence in his keeping power. An ecstatic anticipation of meeting him in glory. And then self-forgetful wonder, love and praise. Let's pray. 
And I'm going to give you a moment quietly just to respond to the Lord in your own hearts to where he's led you. And then we'll sing. We pray you would release by your spirit, O Lord, the power of this text for the glory of your name. You've been listening to the Independence Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do follow and subscribe to hear more episodes on your podcast app, or you can subscribe on YouTube as well. Just search for FIEC. And if you could leave a rating or review too, that'd be really great to get the podcast out to more church leaders. Thanks.